fisticuffs abound as non-Trump Republicans fight each other in the first Republican debate, and we grade all the participants. And Trump tries to counter-program that debate with Tucker Carlson. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Whenever there's a big debate, the big question that people have is who won and who lost. But to understand who won and who lost, you first have to discuss what the metrics are for winning and losing. Because you can win a debate and it can mean very little. Or you can lose a debate and it can end your campaign. So the question for each of the candidates on the stage in last night's first Republican debate was, what is the goal? In order to understand what the goal was for each candidate, and then we can grade them in terms of how they achieved their goals. We can also grade them in terms of what we personally thought of them in terms of truth, honesty, policy. In order to grade them on that basis, we first have to kind of assess the state of the race going into the debate. And to understand where the race was going into the debate, you first have to understand that the Republican Party is not actually a cohesive thing. The conservative movement at this point is not a cohesive movement. There's an anti-left umbrella. Under the anti-left umbrella, there are several groups inside the Republican Party. I've seen people divide these groups six ways. If you're Nate Cohen of the New York Times, I've seen them divided a couple of ways. They're not divided, however, into two groups. One of the core assumptions going into the Republican primaries by a lot of politicos is that there are basically two groups, the pro-Trumps and the anti-Trumps. Maybe three, the pro-Trumps, the anti-Trumps, and the lukewarm Trumps. That's not really accurate. In reality, in this Republican primary, I believe that there are four lanes right now. There are four lanes. And the question is, can you occupy multiple of those lanes and be the top person at multiple of those lanes. You're going to have to do that in order to challenge President Trump, who's running away with the primaries right now by 40 points nationally. And he's winning, yes, still in Iowa. He's winning in New Hampshire and every other state. So in order to understand where the race stood and what people were trying to accomplish on the stage last night, we first have to look at where people stand in the race right now. So I put together this chart to sort of explain the various lanes and where the candidates stood before last night's debate. So there are basically four lanes in this Republican primary. Lane number one are the people who absolutely love President Trump, the Trumpers. Okay, that's like 35% of the Republican Party. They love him. It's ride or die. He's their guy. You got 25% of the GOP. That'd be like the traditional GOP base, like the Reagan conservatives, people who believe in the three-legged stool of conservatism, social conservatism, fiscal conservatism, meaning small government, free trade, and foreign policy hawkishness. That'd be like the traditional GOP. Third group would be the liberal wing. This would be like the never Trumpers, the Chris Christie wing. And then finally, you have the Trump adjacent. These are people like 20% of the party who like Trump, like they, they, they like him, they liked his policies, they thought he was a good president, but they understand there are serious concerns about his presidential run, whether it's the indictments, whether it's his, his bizarre habits on Truth Social, whether it's his commentary, whether it's, it's the toxicity he has with suburban, whatever it is. These are people who like a lot of what Trump did, who may even like him personally, but they also are not totally sold that Trump is the guy for 2024. That's like 20% of the party. So let's go through each of these candidates and where they stood going into the debate. Last night's debate. So Ron DeSantis is currently in second place in the national polling. With the Trumpers, he earns like a B. Okay, so the way that I weighted this sort of stuff is everybody's on an A to F scale. Trump gets an A plus in the Trump category because he's Trump and it's the Trump category. So he gets an A plus. He's the only person who gets an A plus in any category. Okay, but everybody else is on an A to F scale. An A is worth four, a B is worth three, a C is worth two, a D is worth one, and an F is worth zero. And then we weighted it out according to the size of these particular groups. So Ron DeSantis, among Trumpers, going into the debate, he's at like a B. They like the guy. They think he's fine. He's solid, but he's not Trump. Among traditional GOP types, 
DeSantis is currently at a B. Among members of the so-called liberal wing, the sort of never Trump side, DeSantis is at like a D. And among the Trump adjacent crowd, he's at like a B. Those are the people who love Trump, but, you know, they could see somebody else. Which means that he's at a B in three categories and a D in one other. Vivek Ramaswamy has an A with Trumpers. Now, that is great for him in the sense that, like, the Trump people really, really like him. I mean, a lot for him being vice president or a cabinet secretary. But he ain't going to beat Trump among the Trumpers. He's got an A among the Trumpers. He's got a D among the traditional GOP because he takes a lot of heterodox positions and seems to shift with the wind based on who's asking him questions, whether it is 9-11 conspiracies or whether it is Ukraine or whether it's climate change. You got the liberal wing, which hates Vivek. The never Trump wing, he's got an F with them. And then among the Trump adjacent, he's got an A right now. This is where momentum has been flowing from DeSantis to Vivek, is that in the Trump adjacent wing, the people who like like Trump, but they could see somebody else. Vivek has been doing well with those people. He's got an A with those people. That means he's got an A with the Trumpers and the Trump adjacent, and he's failing with the traditional GOP and the, and the left wing of the party. Mike Pence has an F in two categories, the Trump and the Trump adjacent. They hate him. And among the traditional GOP, he's got a B because, again, the traditional GOP kind of likes Trump. And so if Trump rips on Pence, he's got a B. And among the never the never Trumpers, they actually don't like Pence on policy, but they like that Trump hates him. And so he's got to be with them. Nikki Haley, among those four groups, she's got like a D with the Trumpers. They don't like her because she's running against Trump. Among the traditional GOP, she does well. She's got an A going in, probably. Among the never Trump wing of the party, she's got a B. They kind of, they kind of like her. They don't love her, but they, they kind of like her. And among the Trump adjacent, she has a D. They, they, they're also not super fond of Nikki Haley. They think that she is, quote unquote, a neocon and all the rest of it. Okay, Tim Scott is basically in the race for no reason. Uh, Tim Scott, very nice guy. No magnetism, no momentum, no nothing. Among Trumpers, he's a C or a D. Among traditional GOP, he's a C. Liberal wing, he's a C. Trump adjacent, he's a C. Like, basically, he's like, we, all, we all like Tim. He's fine. Eh. And then Chris Christie, he is an F among Trumpers. He's got a D among the traditional GOP who don't like him because of the way that he treated Barack Obama and all the rest. He's got an F with the Trump adjacent because they hate his guts. And among the never Trumpers, he's got an A. So he's got like one lane. And then you got Trump. Trump himself has an A plus with the Trumpers. He's got an A with the Trump adjacent. And he's got a B with the traditional GOP. It's only the never Trumpers who hate him. Everybody else either loves the guy or likes the guy to varying degrees. In order for any candidate to defeat Donald Trump, in order for that to happen, the only way that that is going to happen is if they consolidate the other three non-Trump wings of the party. So let's say that you're a candidate and you want to beat Donald Trump. And Donald Trump right now has the Trumpers locked up, right? It's 35% of the party. And you need to get, let's say, in a two-person race, which it is not, which is part of the problem. Let's say you wanted to consolidate. So you figure, okay, 65% of the party is up for grabs. Well, you'd certainly need to pick up the Never Trump wing. That'd be like 20% of the party. And then you need to win probably 80% of the traditional GOP. You need to get a lot of those people to believe that Donald Trump is not the guy, which means you need to win them over with sort of traditional GOP positions, record, all the rest. And then you would still have to win half of the Trump adjacent. You'd have to take all of the never Trump wing, that's 20%. You have to take 20 of the 25% from the traditional GOP and you'd still have to win half of the Trump adjacent. That is a very uphill road. Now, the only candidate who is scoring at all among all three of those groups the only candidates who are scoring at all among those three groups, the Trump adjacent, the liberal wing, and the traditional GOP, are Haley and DeSantis. The others are doing well in like one of the categories. DeSantis' campaign initially seemed fairly well positioned for this possible challenge, right? He seemed like he might be getting an A with the traditional GOP, 
Among never Trumpers, he was at like a B. And among the Trump adjacent, he was at like an A. So there was a possibility he might have been able to consolidate the anti-Trump forces. That really has not happened, which is why he's been losing momentum. Because right now, he seems like he's the second choice for everybody. Among traditional GOPers, he is a B rater, as opposed to Nikki Haley, who's like an A. Among the Trump adjacent, he's at a B, as opposed to Vivek, who's at an A. And among the never Trump wing, he ranks behind right now Christie and Haley and Pence, probably. And so when you look at the initial GPAs of these candidates going into the race, what you see is Donald Trump way out in front with like a 3.3 when you give like a weighted average here. And when you look at Ron DeSantis, he's at, when you give a weighted aggregate rather, you get 3.3 for, for, for Trump. When you look at DeSantis, he's at 2.6. Vivek just trailing him at 2.45. You have Nikki Haley at 2.15. You have Scott at 1.65, Pence at 1.35, Christie at 1.05. Now, that doesn't explain the entire dynamic of the race because momentum, as we'll discuss, is really about can you win one of these lanes? One of the ways you generate momentum is by winning one of the lanes, then building on that. So right now, Vivek is doing really well with the Trump adjacent, which is why he's building on that and seems to have momentum. Christie seems to have momentum because he has some momentum with the never Trump wing of of the party. Haley had to use this debate to gain momentum. But this defines where the candidates are. So going into the race, DeSantis basically just wants to hold steady. That's his goal. Hold steady. As we as we look at that chart, by the way, I'm going to explain in just a second what everybody's goal is going into the debate by looking at that chart. First, let's talk about the fact that your cell phone, it's in desperate need of replacement. You know, as you have your cell phone longer and longer, your battery life basically degrades. And so now you can't go outside for five minutes without the thing dying. Well, you know all those signs. This is why you should check out Pure Talk. Why? Well, because... You can upgrade to a new 5G Samsung Galaxy from PureTalk for free. Get a free 5G Samsung Galaxy today with two-day battery life, edge-to-edge display, ultra-strong Gorilla Glass when you sign up for PureTalk's unlimited talk text and 15-gig data plan for just 35 bucks a month. Plus, it comes with a mobile hotspot. If you're not using PureTalk, you're simply paying too much. Get all the data you could ever need for half the price of the big carriers on America's most dependable 5G network. Head on over to puretalk.com slash Shapiro for your free, super durable 5G Samsung Galaxy when you switch on over to PureTalk. Again, visit puretalk.com slash Shapiro. Make the switch to my cell phone company, PureTalk. It's the official wireless partner of The Daily Wire. I do all my business phone calls on PureTalk, which means a lot to me since, you know, I run a very large business. You should also do the same. Great coverage. They don't hate your guts. Go check them out right now. And when you do, you can upgrade to that new 5G Samsung Galaxy from PureTalk for free. That's puretalk.com slash Shapiro. We'll get to more on this in just a moment. First, we're experiencing a lot of global instability as we plunge into primary season. How are you protecting your family in the middle of all of this chaos? The fact is, there is one asset that has withstood famine, war, political, and economic upheaval dating back to ancient times. That, of course, is gold. It's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold, and Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold can help you create a well-thought-out and balanced investment strategy. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold without paying a penny out of pocket. Diversify into gold today. Just text Ben to 989898 for a free info kit. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to check out Birch Gold today. Text Ben to 989898. Claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold the way that I did. Diversification is always a smart business strategy, particularly in really tenuous times. This is a tenuous time. You should check out my friends over at Birch Gold. Text Ben to 989898. Get in touch with them today. Ask all your questions. Text Ben to 989898 to get started with Birch Gold. Okay, so to go back to this chart, in order to understand what everybody's goals for debate number one are. If you look at this chart, what you see, again, DeSantis is in second place, but he's kind of stagnant with all all of these groups, right? He's in second place in all of these groups. In three groups, he's got a B. And among the never Trumpers, he's got a D. His original plan was 
he was going to score like a B with the Trumpers and then he was going to score an A with pretty much everybody else. That was going to be the that was going to be the idea. That has not happened right now because DeSantis was in a slide. His goal for this debate and because he's in second place was just to avoid the spotlight. Actually, his goal was to live another day. He did not want last night to be a red wedding. The, the, the time when he just completely collapsed on the stage. As we'll see, I think that he largely accomplished that. Vivek's goal is to continue to gain attention, to be a lightning rod. That was his goal on the stage. Right? He's doing really well with the Trump adjacent. He knows he's going to do nothing with the Never Trumpers. And he knows he's not going to do anything with traditional GOP, which again is why he's not really running for president. He's running for Donald Trump's vice president or for a cabinet position or for a Senate position. He knows he's not taking it away from Trump. And that wasn't his goal last night. His goal last night was to basically degrade DeSantis with the Trump adjacent by gaining momentum with those people. And he may have accomplished that goal last night. For Mike Pence, Pence really knows that he doesn't have a shot at the presidency, but he feels that he has to run because he has to preserve his legacy as a person who stood up to the predations of Donald Trump between November and January and as a sort of traditional old-line Republican politician. How did he do last night? He basically achieved his goal. Nikki Haley... Her goal was, I need a lane, and I need to actually show some momentum in a lane. Nikki Haley, as we'll see, actually outperformed last night, and she actually achieved her goal. Tim Scott is a quixotic figure. I'm not sure why he's in the race. This is not his moment. I'm not sure he has a moment. He's incredibly soft-spoken. He's not aggressive. He seems like a very nice person, but he does not have any teeth. And so there was no goal for him to achieve. And so he succeeded in not achieving a goal, I suppose. But I feel like Tim Scott is going to be one of the first people out of the race. And for Chris Christie, the entire goal last night was to, like Vivek, lock down one lane, right? Lock down that never Trump lane. And I think Christie may have achieved that goal last night. Meanwhile, Trump achieved his goal, which was stay away. Goal achieved. So last night, I think actually everybody kind of achieved their goal. But the effects in terms of momentum are going to be the question. So we're going to get to that in just one second. The effect, like what actually happened via the momentum in order to explore that question as to who has momentum coming out of the debate, we were, we're going to have to actually jump into the debate itself. We're going to get to the fun part. Okay, so I don't know about you. This summer heat in, in South Florida, it is really, really hot outside, but there's something you should not be sweating this summer. That is the price of meat. Thanks to Good Ranchers, you don't have to. Your price can be locked in for two years. You might be thinking a price lock guarantee on meat. Yes, it is amazing. It's amazing because, again, those prices are going up. So why not lock that in? Good Ranchers is the only meat company locking in your price with their industry-first price lock guarantee since 2021. They've been helping people combat the inflation of the meat aisle as well as the mystery of it as well. It turns out over 85% of all grass-fed beef is imported from overseas. And so not only is store-bought meat expensive, often it's low foreign quality as well. But when you subscribe to Good Ranchers, you're getting a guaranteed price and a trusted 100% American source for your favorite cuts. You can save on your beef, chicken, and pork by locking in your price today. Every single steakhouse quality cut is individually wrapped and flash frozen to make mealtime easy. So head on over to GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Ben for 30 bucks off any box. That is promo code Ben at GoodRanchers.com. Again, GoodRanchers.com. That's American meat delivered. GoodRanchers.com. They made me a kosher steak one time. I got to tell you, it was unbelievable. Their meat is that good, I think, for everybody else who doesn't keep kosher. Go check them out right now. GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Ben for 30 bucks off any box. Okay, so as we jump into the actual debate, I'm going to explain to you how I analyze this debate. So the way that I analyze this particular debate is going to be my own subjective belief, because every debate is like Rashomon, the, the old Kurosawa film. There's a thousand perspectives on what somebody says. So Vivek might say something, and I might think, man, he is being wildly dishonest. And then there might be people who's like, yeah, but he's punching somebody. So again, every debate is a matter of perspective. I'm going to 
critique debate participants through a couple of different prisms that I think should still be important, even if they seem increasingly non-important in everyday political life. Okay, so I'm going to grade them based on like, is what they're saying true? Are they being like a decent person? So one of my, my grades of decency generally is I don't like attacks that are false. I don't like them. I think if you're going to attack somebody, you should attack somebody based on what they have done. I don't think you should just launch specious attacks on people as a general rule. I understand that we live in a very aggressive time. And so a lot of people take aggression on stage, performative aggression as, well, if he's doing it there, then he'll definitely do it to Joe Biden. But does that make you like a good person? I feel like you could actually, you know, launch well-timed and well-calibrated attacks on people and still take on Joe Biden. Maybe, maybe I'm just shooting in the dark here, but that's how I grade people. But again, I understand that my perspective is not the only perspective, which is why as we go on here, I'm going to explain how each lane is grading people in this actual debate. I'm also going to grade people based on their actual policy performance, which means inherent advantage to people who actually have governed a state or done a thing as opposed to just said a thing. Now, again, I'm not sure this matters in a Republican primary anymore. It certainly has not mattered since President Trump. I mean, when, when President Trump became the nominee, he literally had no governing record. He'd not been in politics at all. So again, I'm using metrics that may be outdated, but again, I get to do it. It's my show. So my metrics are generally, is what they're saying true? Are they being like a decent person? Is what they're saying a reflection of actual policy wins on the ground? So for example, I'm going to grade people better if they do something anti-woke as opposed to just saying something anti-woke. I'm also going to grade people based on the actual policy conservatism of, of what they are saying. Like, do I think that they're actually right or not? Okay, so that, that is how I typically grade these things. Now, does that mean that my grades are going to somehow going to be reflective of like the momentum in the race? I think absolutely not. Again, I'm if I were going to place myself on this chart of like Trumpers, traditional GOP, liberal wing, Trump adjacent, I'm, I'm somewhere between Trump adjacent and traditional GOP probably. I'm certainly not in the never Trump Chris Christie liberal wing of the party. And I'm certainly not in the, I will vote for Trump. I walk over broken glass to vote for Trump. I'm like the people who think Trump did a pretty good job overall. I thought that the first three years of his presidency, we got some big policy wins, but I was also very, very uncomfortable, as you all know, with a lot of his rhetoric, many of the things that he said, his habit of tweeting that I think was counterproductive to his own presidency, his, his, his activities between November and January of 2021. You know, all that, his behavior since, like all that stuff makes me uncomfortable with many of the things Trump did, but also warm toward his performance in the first three years of his presidency. Again, I said the first three years, the last year, I think was, was rather disastrous on all fronts. I think COVID was a disaster. I think his handling of BLM was really bad. I think that we blew out the budget. Like there were a lot of problems. Even amongst those problems, there were wins. So like for example, the Abraham Accords. But again, I want to make my own perspective clear, my own biases clear. So you know how to analyze what I'm saying as well. I'm going to be upfront and honest with you on that sort of stuff. A lot of people won't. So we're going to go through the debate in detail right now. I do want to thank Fox News. They backed off their position yesterday that they had expressed clearly to us that they were not going to allow shows like ours to actually cover the debate by playing more than three combined minutes of the debate. I was rather livid about it yesterday. Fox News did get in touch with us. They did let us know that it was okay if we played as many clips as we wanted from the debate. It's fair use, actually, but good for them. So we want to give them credit for that. Okay, let's jump into the debate. Okay, so the debate opens and everybody sort of gives their, their little intro. Ron DeSantis, who is the uh, going into this, the front runner of the second tier, right? There's only there's only one person in the top tier, right? And that's Trump, who wasn't there. So the person who's in the second tier leading this thing was DeSantis. DeSantis's goal, as I say, was basically emerge alive. So did DeSantis emerge alive? Yeah, I mean, he did that really easily, actually. So here was Ron DeSantis' intro. 
send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. And it starts with understanding we must reverse Bidenomics so that middle-class families have a chance to succeed again. We cannot succeed as a country if you are working hard and you can't afford groceries, a car, or a new home while Hunter Biden can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on lousy paintings. That is wrong. Hey, this is fine. Right down the line, solid stuff from Ron DeSantis. And that, that would describe his performance like last night. I mean, fine, solid, right? Those are adjectives that come to mind. Then when you have Vivek, right? Vivek has momentum because in that Trump adjacent lane, which is not a huge lane, but it's there, he's doing really well. He's outperforming because he's going everywhere. He's saying anything. He's flipping his positions in order to say anything. Uh, here was here was Vivek's intro and very energetic. As we'll see, he's going to get knocked by Chris Christie for cribbing from Obama. There is something to the idea here that Vivek is a very studied person. I mean, he's a very smart guy. And Vivek basically has taken in political information over the course of the last 15 years. And he is now kind of re-churning it in Vivek form. And so what you get sometimes is lines that, that come out of Vivek that obviously are from somebody else. So here, here's Vivek in his intro. So first, let me just address a question that is on everybody's mind at home tonight. Who the heck is this skinny guy with a funny last name? And what the heck is he doing in the middle of this debate stage? I'll tell you, I'm not a politician, Brett. You're right about that. I'm an entrepreneur. My parents came to this country with no money 40 years ago. I have gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. I did it while marrying my wife, Apoorva, raising our two sons, following our faith in God. That is the American dream. And I am genuinely worried that that American dream will not exist for our two sons and their generation unless we do something about it. And I do think Brett is going to take an outsider because for a long time we have professional politicians in the Republican Party who have been running from something. Now is our moment to start running to something. Okay, so I look at this sort of stuff and I think this is really platitudinous, but I also understand that it's very energetic. Right? Vivek was extremely energetic on the stage last night and he's made for the internet. I mean, he knows how to speak internet. On the internet, these sort of emotive, big hand motions, excitement. He was all energy last night, which made him a lightning rod, as we will see. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, you ever craved a nice barbecue meal with the family? Say you go to the store, get all the groceries, invite the family over. When you turn on the grill, the propane tank is empty. This has actually happened to me. It sucks. It's the worst. This is where Cinch comes in to save the day. Cinch is a propane grill tank home delivery service. They deliver propane tanks directly to your door on your schedule. They don't require any long-term commitment or subscription. Plus, delivery is completely contact-free. You don't have to wait around at home. Track the order on the Cinch app from anywhere. Whether you are grilling for dinner or camping with your family or lighting up your patio heaters on a cold night, Cinch's propane delivery service ensures you have the fuel you need to make the most of every single moment. Head on over to Cinch.com or download that Cinch app and use promo code Shapiro to get your first tank exchange for just 10 bucks. That is C-Y-N-C-H.com, promo code Shapiro. It's a limited time offer. You have to live within a Cinch service area to redeem it. Visit Cinch.com slash offer for details. That's C-Y-N-C-H because it's a Cinch.com, promo code Shapiro. Make sure that, that propane tank, you know, the one that, that's empty, get it replaced easily. You don't have to think about it ever again. Go to cinch.com, promo code Shapiro, or use that Cinch app and use promo code Shapiro to get your first tank exchange for just $10. We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's say you were a duke of an intergalactic house, and one day your emperor decided to give you an additional desert planet to rule. Well, you'd probably think, that sounds like an amazing gift. Wrong you are, because that same emperor decided to blindside you and murder you in your sleep. Pretty sure Duke Leto really wished he had some life insurance the moment that hunter-seeker pierced his body. 
No one likes to talk about life insurance, but it's incredibly important and you need to include it in your financial planning this year. Start shopping now with Policy Genius. Find the right policy to protect your family today. Give yourself the peace of mind that comes with knowing that if something were to happen to you, your family can cover all their expenses while getting back on their feet. Policy Genius's technology makes comparing life insurance quotes from America's top insurers easy. Just a few clicks. You already have a life insurance policy through work, but that might not be enough. And if you move jobs, then it doesn't follow you. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies starting at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars in coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius has licensed agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. When they make it this easy, there really is not an excuse not to do it. Save time, money, provide your family with financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro or click that link in the description. Get your free life insurance quotes. See how much you could save. That's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Okay, so DeSantis introduced himself, Vivek introduced himself, and then Nikki Haley introduces herself. And again, I think that Nikki outperformed last night. I, she was kind of a surprise. Here she was last night. Well, I don't care about polls. What I care about the fact is that no one is telling the American people the truth. The truth is that Biden didn't do this to us. Our Republicans did this to us, too. When they passed that $2.2 trillion COVID stimulus bill, they left us with 90 million people on Medicaid, 42 million people on food stamps. No one has told you how to fix it. I'll tell you how to fix it. They need to stop the spending. They need to stop the borrowing. Okay, points for truth here. I understand that the new Republican Party says we should never talk about entitlement programs ever again. Reality. Those entitlement programs are going to bankrupt us. Those are real. And so when Nikki Haley says that, it may be unpopular. It also happens to be right. So if, in my book, saying things that are unpopular but true tends to win you points from me. So Nikki Haley, I think, um, you know, did well last night. Meanwhile, Mike Pence had a hard task last night. He had to simultaneously brag about his record as part of the Trump-Pence administration. And then, as we'll see, defend his behavior on January 6th. Here it was last night. I'm incredibly proud of the record of the Trump-Pence administration. I mean, in four short years, we rebuilt our military. We revived our economy. We unleashed American energy. And we appointed three conservatives to the Supreme Court that gave the American people a new beginning for the right to life. Okay, so all of that, as you can see from the crowd, all of that is perfectly fine. Okay, then the real debate broke out. So the real debate was that a lot of people on stage were annoyed with Vivek. <laughs> The reason a lot of people on stage are annoyed with Vivek, there's a pretty good reason. He's obviously not running for president. I mean, he's not. He's running to replace the guy he says is the best president, as we'll see, of the 21st century. He is running without criticizing that person. He is running by attacking literally everyone else on the stage. And he is saying things very, very confidently that he was saying the opposite of five minutes ago. Now, does any of that really matter in terms of momentum in particular lanes. No, and maybe the way that you grade Vivek is that dude's really aggressive. I get it. I totally understand. He's really energetic. He He's magnetic on the screen. I mean, he he passes what Roger, the, the Roger Ailes test. Roger Ailes, when he would watch TV and determine whether somebody was good on TV, the way he would do it is he put on the mute button. And if you watched last night, there's no question that if you turned on the mute button, Vivek was the center of attention. There's just no question about it. He also drew all the fire because all of the people on the stage who've actually spent their life doing politics are annoyed that a 38-year-old guy with no political record and a long history of comments that actually contravene his own comments today is showing up and calling them names. They weren't real fond of that last night. And Vivek played right into it, right? I mean, Vivek really went for it. This is the part where, again, I think there's going to be a gap between some of the stuff that I think about what Vivek said and maybe what the crowd thinks about what Vivek said. So clip eight, this is the one where, where Ramaswamy really decided, Vivek really, again, I know Vivek, I like Vivek, I consider myself friends with Vivek. 
I think that these attacks are pretty dishonest. So here is um, here is Vivek basically just attacking everybody on stage with with a hatchet. <laughs> I just want to respond to Mike for one second because he invoked me back. Listen, now that everybody's gotten their memorized, pre-prepared slogans out of the way, we can actually have a real discussion now. The, the, the reality and the fact of the matter is... Was that one of yours? Uh, not, not really, Mike, actually. No. We're just going to have some fun tonight. And the reality is, you have a bunch of people, professional politicians, super PAC puppets, following slogans handed over to them by their 400-page super PACs last week. The real choice we face in this primary is this. Do you want a super PAC puppet? Or do you want a patriot who speaks the truth? Do you want incremental reform, which is what you're hearing about? Or do you want revolution? Okay, so again, this is the part where my skin starts to, you know, rise a little bit because I don't know what he's talking about. I honest to God don't know what he's talking about. When he says super PAC puppet, I assume that what he's talking about is the fact that Ron DeSantis' super PAC accidentally released some sort of debate plan. That's not how super PACs work. Super PACs don't control the candidate. The question is why the candidate controls the super PAC. This is like, when he says everyone else on this stage is a puppet, it's like, well, what, like, th that's so deeply, when I get to the decency point, this is it. Just because people disagree with you and are on the same stage does not mean that they are corrupt or evil. And I don't like that line of attack. On a personal level, I don't like that line. Now, is it an effective line of attack? Sure, it can be an effective line of attack. But it seems to me that if you, if you call somebody corrupt, if you suggest that their super PAC owns them, if you suggest that they are pre-produced while you, you're doing this all spontaneously, which is not true, okay? <laughs> Let's just be real about this. When, when Pence says to Vivek right there, is that a pre-canned line? The answer is yes, of course it's a pre-canned line. Like clearly it's a pre-canned line. If you think that, that Vivek didn't prep for the debate, you're, you're idiotic. I mean, like everyone preps for debate, of course, because it's a debate in front of a national audience. And he just woke up in the morning, rolled out of bed and is like, oh, I'm gonna just figure this thing out on the floor. Of course not. Okay, but in any case, that, that sort of attack that Vivek launched then prompted everybody to fire on him in response. And so the rest of the night was essentially just Vivek taking in incoming. Now, that's Vivek's idea, right? He wants that. A lot of people coming out of the debate were like, well, he took a lot of incoming fire right there. That must have hurt him. Well, with whom? The question is, with whom? So he launches this. And then just to make sure that everybody gets the message that he wants to fight, he does it again. So clip 10. He then suggests that every single person on the stage is bought and paid for. Let us be honest as Republicans. I'm the only person on the stage who isn't bought and paid for, so I can say this. The climate change oh, whoa, agenda whoa, whoa, whoa. is a That's hoax. Ridiculous. The climate is change ridiculous. agenda is a hoax. Is he got a little bit of booze from the audience there. But again, everybody on the stage is bought and paid for except for you. It's just it's so tiresome. It really is. Like, I, I really disliked it on a moral level. I didn't like it when Trump did it in 2015, 2016. I don't like when is doing it in 2023. It's just not my bag. It's not my bag. I know there's some people who love this sort of thing. I don't like it. I don't think it's moral to assume that everybody who disagrees with you is doing so because they have been bought and paid for. I, I think it's ugly. Does it achieve the purpose? Sure. By the way, there are politicians who are bought and paid for. Joe Biden is a politician who, when he was the senator of Delaware, was bought and paid for by MBNA. Okay, I can name the people who bought and paid for him. Here's my thing. If you're going to say somebody's bought and paid for, you then have to explain who bought them and paid for them. I'm also confused by this particular line of attack on climate change, just for a second. Who bought and paid for like Ron DeSantis on climate change? Was it the Sierra Club? What the hell is he talking about? If you're going to pick in, like the rap on Republicans is that they're supposedly, this is what the left says, bought and paid for by like the Cokes to be pro-fracking. 
And they're being bought and paid for by the oil industry. Who buys and pays for Republicans on climate change? It is also worth noting here that like five months ago, Vivek was asked about climate change. And he said, uh, actually, actually, climate change is man-made. So the rest of the people, but again, this is, this is him trolling. And I understand internet culture because I do it like every day. And uh, this dude is an expert in internet culture. This is the thing. You can admire what he's doing on sort of a political level. At the same time that you're looking at this and going like, I'm not sure it is moral to simply suggest without any evidence whatsoever that everyone who disagrees with you is some sort of corrupt tool of the shadowy establishment without defining corruption, tool, or establishment. But as you see, like the, the, he got what he wanted, which is to be the lightning rod. So uh, Chris Christie, who can't help himself, and if there is a pie to be thrown, Chris Christie will forego even eating it in order to throw it. Christie then went after Vivek. And I will say that, that Chris Christie does have a particular set of skills. When it comes to just like wrecking people on stages, that dude eats pizzas and he wrecks people on stage and he was out of pizza last night. And, um, and so his hit on Ramaswamy here actually is pretty well, well-based. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like chat GPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, what's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama. And I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. Come on, give me a hug. <laughs> give me a hug just same, like you did to Obama. same type of amateur. Okay, so then Vivek smacks Christy back. So this, this debate I'm up for, right? This kind of smacking I, I like. Okay, so the smack I don't like is where he calls everybody on the stage a, a corrupticon. The, the thing I do like is Christy says something true about Ramaswamy. Like this kind of dissing I'm okay with. Here's where Christy says something true about Ramaswamy, which is basically you sound as though you just took a bunch of slogans, you threw them into a chat GPT and what came out was Vivek. And then Vivek comes back. And, and, and by the way, you are ripping people off, which is true. Okay, when Vivek says, what's a skinny guy with a weird last name doing up here? That is literally a quote from Barack Obama in 2004. That is literally a line from Barack Obama. So he's not wrong. I will say that, that Christie does have a long institutional memory and he is a weaponized insult machine. So that was correct. But I will say Ramaswamy's response is just as correct, right? Which is, if you're going to invoke Barack Obama, it was you who was hugging him coming off the plane during Hurricane Sandy in 2012 and you were helping him out in the national election. So this kind of debate I'm up for actually. These fisticuffs, fine. Okay, meanwhile, Tim Scott was trying to calm everybody down. Again, this is why Scott has no juice. If you're the guy in the room who's like, guys, can't we all just be friends? Well, over in the corner, people just pummeling the crap out of each other. That, that guy ain't going nowhere. Here was Tim Scott. Are you bought and paid for? I'm sorry. Are you bought and paid Absolutely for? Absolutely not. I mean, it, it, here's what the American people deserve is a debate about the issues that affect their lives. Going back and forth, being childish is not helpful to the American people to decide on the next leader of our country. Number one. Okay, so, meh, me. <laughs> that, that's, that, and that was sort of the reaction to Scott last night. It was like, he kind of disappeared into the wallpaper. He just, he, he wasn't much of a factor in the debate at all. Okay, in just one second, we'll get to some actual clarifying questions on policy. I know there were a couple of them last night. It wasn't all fisticuffs. We'll get to that momentarily first. Are you tired of feeling uncomfortable in your underwear and loungewear, especially during those scorching summer months? Thanks to my friends over at Tommy John, you can have a perfect blend of comfort and breathability. When you wear Tommy John, you are so much more comfortable, you can do everything better. Their underwear has dozens of comfort innovations. We're talking breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands and keep you seven degrees cooler than cotton. They're so good. 
I mean, Tommy John is the only underwear I wear. I literally took out all of the other underwear that I owned when I got Tommy John and I threw it away. Tommy John is durable. It is super comfortable. It graces this magnificent us at this very moment. Tommy John also sells loungewear with a level of softness I've never felt before. Their incredibly soft loungewear is designed to envelop you in the magical world of pure luxury. Every purchase is backed by Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free, guarantee. Shop Tommy John's summer collection. Get 20% off your very first purchase at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. That is 20% off at tommyjohn.com slash Ben. Again, that's tommyjohn.com slash Ben. See site for details. Best underwear, best loungewear, bar none. Go check them out right now. tommyjohn.com slash Ben to get 20% off. Also, Candace Owens just wrapped the 10-part series Convicting a Murderer. You're not going to want to miss it. It's one of our most ambitious projects yet. It looks absolutely fascinating. You might think you're familiar with the Stephen Avery case and everything that happened in Manitowoc County. It's especially true if you watch Making a Murderer on Netflix, but it turns out that that docuseries was uh, not really super true. Coming soon, Candace is going to blow it up. I'm excited to present the Convicting a Murderer trailer. Check it out. This is a collect call from uh, Steve. an inmate at the Calumet County Jail. The man served 18 years in prison until DNA evidence cleared his name. The Two Rivers man was convicted of sexual assault in 1985, but exonerated with DNA evidence in 2003. So this is the infamous Avery Lott. Now, two years later, he again finds himself tied to a police investigation. Accused of murdering Teresa Holbuck on the Avery property. Stephen Avery's 16-year-old nephew admitted his involvement in the rape and murder of Teresa Holbuck. The car is discovered just around the bend. It was just this worldwide phenomenon. I think they framed this guy. I think he intended to crush the vehicle, but ran out of time. Avery thinks the $36 million lawsuit he filed is why he's being targeted in this investigation. 1021 and 24 Main Street. Do we have Stephen Avery custody? Netflix made millions of dollars from making a murderer. The filmmakers left out very important details. Mountains of evidence that you have not yet seen. The blood vial. The most egregious manipulation from the movie. Interrogations. So that's when he started beating me because I told him that he's sick. Cell phones. And I saw melted plastic parts of a cell phone. Interviews. Her arms were pinned behind her head. They made Stephen Avery look like a victim. You believe your brother's guilty? I don't know if I'm a suspect. I got on hide. I'm getting sick and tired of media deception. Evidence piling up. Why would they omit so many different things? Why are you editing my testimony? I am not going to make the same mistake that the filmmakers did. Rearranging the testimony. They delete a portion of it at the end. How could they claim to care about the truth? They all know that Stephen Avery committed this crime. The evidence forces me to conclude that you are the most dangerous individual ever to set foot in this courtroom. To get the rest of the story, you have to watch Convicting a Murderer coming to you early September. This 10-part series is exclusive to Daily Wire Plus. Join now at dailywire.com slash subscribe to get 25% off your new annual membership so you can watch Convicting a Murderer when it premieres. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss it. Okay, so the debate continued. There were a couple of issues that came up. So there are a couple of issues that Fox absolutely did not cover. They did not cover like the giant gender issue. They didn't cover that like at all. They did not cover critical race theory in any real serious way. They, they kind of touched on immigration, but they made it secondary to things like climate change, which was very odd, but they did get to abortion. There were some honest to God, interesting debates about abortion. Doug Burgum, and that's going to be the only mention you hear of Doug Burgum all, all day today. Doug Burgum, who is the governor of North Dakota, I believe, 
Yes, that's yes. North Dakota, Doug Burgum, famous for his eyebrows and being a man named Doug Burgum. Uh, he, uh, he made the bizarre statement that when it comes to abortion law, the 10th Amendment prevails. And a lot of people kind of knocked him around for that. There's an interesting debate, however, between Nikki Haley and Mike Pence, particularly on abortion. Here's Nikki Haley pointing out quite rationally, and I think with an eye toward the general election, that when it comes to national abortion law, you actually have to pass things before you sign them. Let's be honest with the American people and say it will take 60 Senate votes. It will take a majority of the House. So in order to do that, let's find consensus. Can't we all agree that we should ban late-term abortions? Can't we all agree that we should encourage adoptions? Can't we all agree that doctors and nurses who don't believe in abortion shouldn't have to perform them? Again, like this, this is a perfectly fine general election take. Mike Pence took the strongest line with regard to abortion. Here he was last night. After I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I opened up the book and I read, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And see, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. And I knew from that moment on the cause of life had to be my cause. And I've been a champion for life in the Congress, a champion for life as governor and as vice president. And uh, to be honest with you, Nikki, you're my friend, but uh, consensus is the opposite of leadership. And that's an interesting sort of debate. A consensus is, is the opposite of leadership. I don't think it's particularly true. I mean, sometimes consensus is actually built through leadership. However, with that said, it's an interesting and fascinating. It, it completely went unnoticed, right? The, the sideshow then continued. What's, what's interesting is then we got into the section of the debate where everybody sort of tried to lock down their positions. Okay, so now the first hour of the debate is about establishing your position. The, the position established by the various candidates in the first hour of the debate was, as we suggest, in their lanes and, and, and basically in orientation toward particular goals. For DeSantis, it was maintain your presence, don't lose ground, stay where you are. For Vivek, it was become a lightning rod and own that Trump-adjacent lane that we talked about. For Nikki Haley, it was own the traditional GOP lane. And that was the dynamic that sort of permeated the rest of the debate. So, for example, Ron DeSantis on crime, his entire campaign, and this is, this is why I give DeSantis additional credit. I don't give people for just saying things because I live in Florida and I've watched him do it. DeSantis' entire campaign is, you want a thing done? I did it in Florida. Maybe I should do it nationally. That's his entire campaign. It may not be enough because we live in a period where a lot of people don't seem to care what people actually do in terms of governing. When, I mean, people could say, they could just say things and that would be amazing. Here was uh, Ron DeSantis talking about crime. And there's one guy in this entire country that's ever done anything about that, me. When we had two of these district attorneys in Florida elected with Soros funding who said they wouldn't do their job, I removed them from their post. They are gone. And as president, as president, we are going to go after all of these people because they are hurting the quality of life and they are victimizing innocent people in every corner of this country. And it will stop when I get into office. So again, his entire campaign last night was, I'm the best governor in America, I'll do it nationally. That's fine. Did it mean momentum? As we'll discuss in a second, maybe not. Okay, meanwhile, we got into the most polarizing questions of the night. These all surrounded Trump. And you can very clearly see who's aiming for which lane. And so there was a, a question that was asked as to who would support Trump, even if he ended up being convicted in court. And it was a pretty awkward moment because the only person, Vivek was like the kid in school who had the answer before anyone else. He's in the front row. I mean, this is sort of Vivek's personality also because he's a super smart guy. But Vivek's entire personality is basically the kid in Model UN that you might not want to hang out with, but you know that he's a smart guy. So here's Vivek 
who like jumps out of his seat, basically runs around the room with his hand up screaming. Everybody else a little bit slower on the gun here. Here's the question. You all signed a pledge to support the eventual Republican nominee. If former President Trump is convicted in a court of law, would you still support him as your party's choice? Please raise your hand if you would. And then, and then Vivek just, I'm going to leave my hand up here all day long. Just all. <laughs> if you go back to that clip, it's actually fascinating to see the order in which people raise their hands. There's something to this, right? And, um, and I, frankly, I'm kind of shocked that some of the candidates hadn't thought about this question being asked beforehand because we all know they're going to support Trump if he's the nominee, obviously, right? except for Asa Hutchinson, who no one cares about. But if you look at that, if you look at the order the hands go up in, so Vivek, as I say, is like super fast off the gun. Dude is like Wyatt Earp on the trigger here. The next couple of hands that go up are Haley and Scott and Burgum. DeSantis sort of reluctantly raises his hand, so does Pence. And then, uh, and then Christie is kind of shaking his head. So why is Christie shaking his head? Uh, here was Christie locking down the Never Trump lane. Someone's got to stop normalizing this conduct. Okay? Now, and now whether or not, whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong. The conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. And, and, and you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. Okay, so there he is locking down that never Trump lane, right? Again, there are the four lanes. There are the Trumpers, traditional GOP, Trump adjacent, never Trumpers. That is, that is Christie locking down the never Trump lane. Here's Vivek trying to lock down the Trump adjacent lane by being slavishly sycophantic to President Trump right here. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, Honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country, they could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. Okay, so there, there's, again, he's locking down that Trump adjacent lane, but he, he's not running for president because here's the thing. If you believe that Donald Trump is like the greatest president in human history, first of all, I will say, again, the fake super smart guy. When he says greatest president of the 21st century, that's a real short list, guys. There have only been three of them, okay? And two of them, not so great. It was George W. Bush, followed by Barack Obama, followed by Donald Trump. And then the next one is Biden. So that's, a, that's not an amazing list that you have to top right there, but... If you are that into Trump, you could not run. I mean, Trump has said he wants the field clear. I've noticed, by the way, that in reaction to this debate and everything else, Trump just praises Ramaswamy, which is Donald Trump. If he sees somebody as a threat, you think he praises them. Donald Trump has never praised anyone he has ever perceived as a threat. This is why there are a lot of people in Republican Party politics right now who are like, you're just a stalking horse for that. Like, that's why you're in the race. Does that mean that Vivek isn't going to lock down that Trump adjacent lane? Nope, he could easily lock down that Trump adjacent lane. And, um... You know, he continued to, to do this. He, he made a commitment on the stage that day one, he would pardon Donald Trump. Then we got to 
I think what was one of the most fascinating exchanges of the debate. And that was the exchange over Ukraine, because this goes to sort of the future of the Republican Party more broadly and where these various lanes stand on foreign policy. And this is a complete Rorschach test, because if you are in the sort of more isolationist wing of the Republican Party, the sort of Tucker Carlson wing on, on foreign policy, you loved what Vivek had to say. If you're in the more traditional wing of the Republican Party, you think Vivek got his ass handed to him. So again, every element here is based on which lane are you are you a part of? OK, then we get to the foreign policy debate. And here, once again, this is Vivek locking down the Trump adjacent vote. People who love Trump on policy, but, you know, have some problems maybe with Trump personality wise. The way he does this is by being the only person on stage who basically says right away that he would withdraw like all military aid to Ukraine. Um, and uh, this turns into a pretty fiery debate, which again, this is why you watch the debates so you can actually watch spirited conversations about issues. So I actually enjoyed this part of the debate the best. Here was Vivek. And I think that this is disastrous that we are protecting against an invasion across somebody else's border when we should use those same military resources to prevent across the invasion of our own southern border here in the United States of America. We are driving Russia further into China's hands. The Russia-China alliance is the single greatest threat we face. And I find it offensive that we have professional politicians on the stage that will make a pilgrimage to Kiev, to their Pope, Zelensky, without doing the same thing for people in Maui or the south side of Chicago. Okay. And so, uh, although I, I will say that I don't think that, you know, the sort of anti-Catholic slap there, like Pope Zelensky, is, is particularly helpful to Vivek. He's the only one on the stage who's drawing a contrast with regard to Ukraine. And he was forcibly smacked around by both Mike Pence and Nikki Haley. So here is Mike Pence going after Vivek and Vivek actually striking back with, once again, a quote from Obama. This is why I say that because Vivek is so studied and because he understands what what successful politicians have done in the past, sometimes he just ends up cribbing off of them. Vivek, if we do the giveaway that you want to give to Putin to give him his land, it's not going to be too long for he rolls across a NATO border. And frankly, our men and women of our armed forces are going to have to go and fight him. I want to let the Ukrainians fight and drive Putin and the Russians back out into Russia. I want to just briefly address Pence, Vice President Pence. I have a newsflash. The USSR does not exist anymore. It fell back in 1990. The real threat. You talked about the communists. Okay, so that's enough of that. Right there, that's where he quotes Obama, right? When he, when he that, That's Obama against Mitt Romney, 2012. The 1980s called and they want their foreign policy back, right? I mean, that, that that's all that is. Then Vivek gets into it with Nikki Haley. And this was Nikki's best moment of the debate because she made a pretty cogent case as to why the United States ought to be involved in the war in Ukraine. Again, this is a very split question inside the Republican Party. So this is kind of a fascinating part of the debate. So the reality is that today, today, Ukraine is not a priority for the United States of America. And I think that the same people who took us into the Iraq war, the same people who took us into the Vietnam war, you cannot end it. You cannot start another no win war. And I do not want to get to the point where we're sending our military resources abroad when we could be better using them here at home to protect our own borders, okay. protect the homeland. All right. That will be my top priority in foreign I, policy. I think we gave you more than, than the 30 homeland. seconds in the rebuttal. So I do want to get to some other people because everybody, uh, we, we respect everybody's time here. So Governor Haley, um, you did not raise your hand, meaning that you would support more funding for the Ukraine war. You have uh, said of Governor DeSantis that um, you didn't appreciate it when he initially called it a territorial dispute. Why? 
First of all, the American president needs to have moral clarity. They need to know the difference between right and wrong. They need to know the difference between good and evil. Right. When you look at the situation with Russia and Ukraine, here you have a pro-American country that was invaded by a thug. So when you want to talk about what has been given to Ukraine, less than three and a half percent of our defense budget has been given to Ukraine. If you look at the percentages per GDP, 11 of the European countries have given more than the U.S. But what's really important is go back to when China and Russia held hands, shook hands before the Olympics and named themselves unlimited partners. A win for Russia is a win for China. We have to know that. Ukraine is the first line of defense for us. And the problem that Vivek doesn't understand is he wants wants to hand Ukraine to Russia. He wants to right. let China eat Taiwan. He wants to go and stop funding Israel. You don't False. do that to friends. What you do False. instead is you have the backs of your friends. Ukraine is a front line of defense. Putin has said if Russia, once Russia takes Ukraine, Poland and the Baltics are next. That's a world war. We're trying to prevent war. Look at what Putin did today. He killed Pergozin. When I was at the UN, the Russian ambassador suddenly died. This guy is a murderer, and you are choosing a murderer over, over a pro-American country. First of all, first of all, first of all, Mr. Ramaswamy, you have 30 and, seconds. Mr. DeSant, you know, Nikki, DeSantis, I wish you well in your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon. You know, I'm not on but the, the fact of, of the matter, and you know, Boeing you came off of it, but you've been pushing this lie. Stage, you've been pushing this lie want, all week, Nikki. You want Nikki. to go and defund Israel? Just, you want to okay, let me address that. China? I'm glad you, you brought that up. I'm going to address each of those right now. This is the false lies of a professional politician. There you have it. So you the reality make America is, less safe. you have no foreign me, policy experience, and it shows. And you know what? The, the foreign policy experience that you all have shows in the pointless wars we've gotten into. Okay, so this was Haley's best moment of the debate by far. It was a very weak moment for Vivek. Okay, the reason is his comeback right there, right? Which is, I wish you well on your future career on the boards of Lockheed and Raytheon. Again, that appeals to that Trump-adjacent crowd who believes that all American foreign policy is run by the military-industrial complex, perhaps. But... That is a really baseless insult. And again, I go back to, if you're going to hit somebody, hit somebody for what they're worth. So when he hits Christie and he says you were hugging Obama, true. If he's going to hit somebody else on the stage for doing a thing they did, okay. But insulting all of your opponents as tools of the military industrial complex, that any evidence to that effect is really, really absurd. And, and Nikki Haley, I think, handled herself really well right there. All right, so the rest of the debate was effectively more of the same. And so this brings us to sort of my personal grades, and then we'll see like what, how people actually did. So let's start with who got the most speaking time. The problem is too many candidates on the stage. Definitely should not have been this many candidates on the stage. So Burgum and Hutchinson took up 15 minutes of time. They shouldn't have been on the stage. Tim Scott was on stage for eight minutes, but really was absent. So now you're talking about like 23, 24 minutes of time that really was distributed poorly. The, the real people who should have been on the stage the, are, are, the, are the top five people in terms of time, Pence, Ramaswamy, Christie, DeSantis, Haley, right? Everybody else in, in the stage is basically an also ran at this point. Now, we're ignoring the elephant outside the room, which of course is Trump, which may mean that all of these people are also rans. But in terms of who got the most time, Pence got the most time, which makes some sense in that he is the person who has done presidential debates before, like the most of any of these people. Vivek, because he was a lightning rod, got the second most time, followed by Christie. Christy also wanted to do some lightning rod stuff. DeSantis got the fourth amount of time. Haley 
actually only got eight minutes and 41 seconds, but she made him count. So how does that stack up in terms of my personal grades? So I thought DeSantis was fine. I thought he was solid. I thought that he he basically laid out his record. He stayed out of scraps. I think that his answer on Ukraine was a little bit befuddled, but I think other than that, DeSantis did okay, right? It was fine. I would grade him at like a B. I'd give Nikki Haley an A. I think she accomplished her purposes. I think she did so in a very short amount of time. I think she really surpassed expectations for nearly everybody who watched the debate. Even if you don't like Nikki, you have to see that she actually did better than you expected her to do. I'd give Tim Scott a C. He was basically not present for any of this. For Pence, I'd say you probably give him a B, but for different reasons than DeSantis. A B because he's just in an unwinnable situation. He stood up for himself, I thought, actually rather well on January 6th. I, I thought that was worthwhile. He's not going to gain any momentum from it. And we'll get to that in a moment. And as for Christie, I would say that that was like a B Christie performance. In A Christie performance, he's always going to get the punches in. But he he doesn't have any of the charm that he once had in like 2011. So now he's just a punching machine. So B is about the best he can do. As for Vivek, Vivek is very hard to grade because Vivek is the total Rashomon candidate. You look at Vivek on the stage. And for me, if if I'm assessing how he did based on sort of, was he telling the truth? I thought a lot of time not. Or based on were his were his attacks on other candidates rooted in their actual record and what they did? No, many times. Right? Or if you're basing it on like his policy, I think he's wrong on some of his policy prescriptions. I think some of the stuff he says about foreign policy in particular is just not true or within the realm of reality. When he says, I'll, I'll start with drawing aid from Israel because I'm going to create peace in the Middle East between like Qatar and Oman and Israel, like Qatar and Oman are pro-Iran. Like that, that, that just betrays not a lot of knowledge about the Middle East and on his record, right? But, but if you are talking about like the internet culture, if you're talking about the meme culture, if you're talking about who had energy on the stage, if you're talking about the guy who is saying the things nobody else will say, which is one way that we have now learned to gauge politics, is will he say the thing no one else will? Now, I'm of the view, and I've always said this, there's a difference between being politically incorrect and saying the thing that must be said that no one else will say and just saying the thing no one else will say. But that distinction has been completely obliterated over the course of the last 10 years, where if you just say a thing that is verboten, then this means that you are brave. By that metric, Vivek kicked ass. By that metric, Vivek did great. And this is what you see reflected. Okay, so let's look at these debate results through that light. Who has momentum coming out of this debate? Because that's really all that matters, right? Three days from now, nobody's going to remember this debate. There's no lasting impact. But did anybody get momentum here? Did anybody get momentum? So I graded people based on whether they had like strong upward momentum in each lane, some upward momentum, same downward momentum, or like really downward momentum. So if you take a look at this chart, let's look at each of these candidates. So Ron DeSantis, again, his goal here was survive, right? Which as we, how this debate affects DeSantis is going to be really up to what DeSantis does next. I don't think he lost ground. I don't think he gained ground with any group. He was basically the same with every group going in as he was coming out. Does he have any momentum inside any lane? So one of the, there are two ways that you can gain momentum. There are two ways that you can gain momentum in a presidential race. One is you gain overall momentum, like national momentum, big national momentum, because you're doing great in like multiple groups. And then there is the, do you have momentum inside one lane? This can actually mean a lot. So you could actually not do great in a debate, but if you really lock up a lane, you have momentum in that lane. That lane is now going to start generating some uptick in national numbers. It may not be huge, but it'll be an uptick in national numbers. You can build off of that. So lane momentum is something you want coming out of the debate. And at least one of the lanes, you want momentum. DeSantis 
Does he have any lane momentum? No, coming out of this debate. Can he build it? Sure. So basically, it's status quo ante for DeSantis. It's as though the debate never happened for DeSantis. For Vivek, Vivek had some momentum among Trumpers. The thing about Vivek is that no one really has momentum among Trumpers because Trump has Trumpers, right? I mean, they're, they're locked up. Among the traditional GOP, I would say the Vivek was kind of the same as before. The traditional GOP, not super fond of Vivek. Maybe he has some negative momentum from it, but certainly he's not picking up ground among sort of the traditional GOP three-legged stool crowd. With the never-Trump wing of the party, he had serious negative momentum. But again, he was never going to win those people anyway. He was aiming for one lane and one lane only. That is that 15% who are Trump adjacent. He has strong momentum among those people. So that means that his upward boundary, Vivek's upward boundary in this Republican primary is probably about 15%. He's chiseling that away from DeSantis, right? That So he achieved his goal, which was strong upward momentum inside that one lane, which Credit to him, he achieved that goal and he made himself more of a national name, which was his goal in this race in the first place because once again, he is not running for president against Donald Trump. The way I know that is because Donald Trump knows he's not running for president against Donald Trump, which is why Donald Trump has not attacked him. Everyone who goes after Trump, who is perceived as a threat to Trump, is attacked. There's only one candidate in this race who is a serious candidate or perceived as a serious candidate who has not been attacked by Donald Trump, and that's Vivek. Okay, Mike Pence. He comes away with negative momentum from the Trumpers because, again, Trump doesn't like him. Among the traditional GOP, he came away with a little bit of upward momentum. He came away with some liberal wing momentum, like some never-Trump momentum a little bit. But does he have like overall lane momentum? Like, like strong lane momentum. And the way I'm measuring lane momentum is basically, did you have a two in any category, right? Did you have strong momentum in any one lane? Not like minor momentum, like big momentum in any one lane. So no, for Pence, he, he comes away basically the same as he was before. A person who I, I know Mike Pence, I think he's an honorable human being, an honorable person who's not going anywhere in this race. Nikki Haley, she is basically where she was beforehand with Trumpers. In the traditional GOP lane, she has strong momentum, right? That debate was very good for Nikki Haley among the traditional GOP lane. And she could start locking up some donors. She could be seen as an alternative to Tim Scott. You could see a lot of people turning away from Scott and moving their money over to Nikki Haley, for example, or turning away from Mike Pence and moving over to Nikki Haley. I would not be surprised. If Nikki Haley's campaign starts to move from, you know, 2% nationally toward that 7 or 8% nationally. If you look at, at Tim Scott, again, I think he ended up basically where he was beforehand. Everybody kind of likes the guy, but nobody knows why he's here. And as for Chris Christie, he has some lane momentum with the never Trump wing, which is strong in New Hampshire. So did everybody sort of achieve their goal? The answer is yes. Is this going to make like an overall difference against Trump? The answer is absolutely not. Because when you look at the the overall the overall sort of takeaway from the race, Trump still has all the momentum with the people who love Trump. And the Trump adjacent wing, nobody is taking him it away from him. In the Trump adjacent wing, if you wished, in order to beat Trump, assume he has 30% locked up, absolutely locked up. And assume there's another 40% that is, that is playable. And right now that's splitting 20% Trump, 20% everybody else. And then there's another Trump wing that's like 20%. So this means that if you're going to stack up how to beat Trump right now. You have to assume Trump has 35% of the vote locked up. Then you have the traditional GOP wing, which he is splitting like half with the rest of the party, which means that he's already at 47%. And that's leaving aside the 20% to our Trump adjacent. So in order to beat Trump, you basically have to win all the never Trump wing. You have to win all of the Trump adjacent wing and you have to split the Trump GOP vote. Or you have to take all of the traditional Trump GOP vote and you have to take like 5% of the Trump adjacent wing. Who can consolidate that? 
You can see why Trump has this very, very solid lead. Who exactly can consolidate that sort of math? Right now, all of these lanes are split. And Trump has a foot in at least three of them. Is there any other candidate who has a foot in three of these lanes? The answer is no. There's not a single candidate who has a foot in three of these lanes, except for DeSantis, which is why DeSantis is still the person who has the best shot of beating Trump in a primary. But he's going to have to show some momentum coming out of this debate. Because the math just doesn't work all that well for anybody who is not named Trump. Uh, Meanwhile, Donald Trump assessed this debate in his own way. As you would predict, he's a big fan of Ramaswamy, which demonstrates once again that he is not running against Ramaswamy, nor is Vivek running against him. He uh, at one point tweeted out, this answer gave Vivek a big win in the debate because of a thing called truth. Thank you, Vivek. That would be with regard to Vivek explaining that he was the best president of the 21st century. Of course, again, th- Trump, I think, had a pretty good time probably watching the debate. Yeah, he, he was attacking Chris Christie. He was uh, attacking Nikki Haley a little bit. He went after, for sure, DeSantis. But overall, nothing really happened in the debate that, that I think shook Trump's lead. Meanwhile, Trump's surrogates were, were complaining that they were blocked from the spin room, which they should be blocked from the spin room. If your candidate doesn't show up for the debate, you don't get to go to the spin room and then jabber about the other candidates. kind of ridiculous. Um, but um, here was Don Jr. complaining about it last night. Right now, trying to ban people from actually having discourse about politics. Uh, How un probably, probably shouldn't surprise any of us. Uh, but that's what it is. And I've been told by others that I would be able to go in. So they said we were able to go in. Then they said they weren't. Now that we're here, wait, wait, saying, and the candidate that said you can't go in the spin room, they're telling me right He's now Fox, Fox won't let that. me into the spin but room. That's what the American people Fox should know. News, this sir? is the kind of they're telling they him are. he works for security here, but they're telling him that I'm not allowed to go in there because the candidates that well, they've I mean, been boosting while you could go. I don't, I don't understand. For the last what two years, didn't perform as they had hoped. So they can't have someone who can maybe be a representative of my father. Just like a few weeks ago when I was canceled after the first indictment, I was scheduled to go on. And about okay, five no, minutes the, the, I'm on, sorry. This, is, this is silliness. On. This is silliness. If your candidate doesn't show up to the debate, you don't get to put your person in the spin room. I mean, that, that seems like fairly fair on every level, especially because Trump was getting plenty of attention of his own. In an interview with Tucker Carlson on Twitter, X, uh, apparently it has some 200 million views. Now, worth exploring, explaining here that every time you scrolled past the video on Twitter and spent longer than two seconds on it, that counts as a view. So is that equivalent to actually watching a, a national televised debate? Those views are, are not in any way equivalent, but those are a big number none, nonetheless. And Trump, you know, had it easy. Tucker asked him zero hard questions. Tucker did not press him on pretty much anything. We'll get to that in the member block. But if you're not a member, you have to become a member and use code Shapiro at checkout for two months free on all annual plans. Click the link in the description and join us. <laughs> We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So 
I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving.